Good to see you. How's everybody doing? We're small, but we're not. We're noisy, right? Let me let me hear noisy. Okay. Not not for me, but it's actually for you. It's I find I find when I'm on the edge of my seat participating, I retain more. How about you? And I know that you're not a spectator here tonight. You have come to have your hearts open and the Word of God poured in. How many of you know the Word of God's changed you remarkably in your life? And how many of you would say, I'm just starting at this, but I'm really hoping that it does? How about that? Anybody like that tonight? Well, thanks for the opportunity to share into your heart and uh, really excited about the Word tonight. I, I, with fear and trembling, I'm going to preach on worship tonight. Worship is one of my... Worship is one of my favorite things, and I, and I don't know how much, if ever, I've shared on worship when I've had the opportunity to share, but it's, such a, it's so close to my heart, and yet it's so big, and I, I feel like the last person in the world who's got, got it all figured out that I would have something to share, but I, but I began to pray a couple of days ago and ask God to, to show me what he would have for me to share, because I'm, I'm just believing this about you. You didn't come here to hear me. You came here to hear from the Lord, and, and God is always faithful to speak through people who will step up and open their mouth, and I'm counting on, I've already prayed that he would do that tonight. I know that you're not here to hear my opinions. You're here tonight to hear from the Lord. So uh, let's just pray that he'll speak through me, that I won't mess it up, that I'll deliver it in an articulate way that will allow the Word of God to just go unadulterated into your heart and, and just reap a great harvest, okay? So Father, we thank you tonight that you're here in our midst Thank you that your presence is here, and we honor you. Our hearts are bowed before you. We, we acknowledge that you're right here in this place, that you hear the things that we're saying, that you're watching us, that you are perfecting the issues that concern us in our life, and you are the guest of honor. This is your house. And so I just ask you tonight to speak through me. I, I thank you that you would solidify this word in my heart and solidify it in the hearts of the people here tonight. We believe, once again, that your word is incorruptible seed. We believe that as we open up our hearts that the word of God will not return void, but it'll accomplish the work which you've sent for it to do. And so tonight, we thank you that we have hearts of worship. In your name we pray, amen. So my experience with worship, um, I've been a musician since I was in second grade. That's when my parents made me start piano lessons. And I thank God that they didn't let me quit a hundred times when I tried. It was always, they, well, just get to the summer and then you can quit. It was always, just get to the spring, and then you can quit. And somehow by then, I would be re-inspired about it, and I would stick with it. But I was a musician since then. It wasn't until a freshman in high school that I got saved. And by saved, for those of you who might be new, meaning that before we know Jesus, we're accountable for our sin. We all are sinners. We're born into that system. We can't help it. And until Jesus becomes the Lord of your life and you accept his blood as the payment for the consequences of your sin— well, you need to be saved. And saved from what? Saved from going to hell, for one, but also saved from living a life of hell here on earth as well. And so I got saved as a freshman in high school at a brand new startup church meeting in a school gym with a rock band and, and an overhead projector. You remember those? We could see the person's fingers on the transparency, and sometimes they were on it and sometimes they weren't. And, uh, and I was, uh, I, I raised my hand in a service and said, Jesus, I, you know, I had gone to church most of my life, but I didn't really know Jesus. I just thought church was just a system of being good and doing the right thing. And I was a people pleaser as a child, so that wasn't hard for me to do. Just keep everybody happy and life will be good. But I raised my hand to that, to that altar call and I allowed Jesus to come into my life. And I can't say that it was a dramatic, you know, in a moment 
you know, tears and life-changing thing. It actually just seemed like a very sensible thing to do. I heard the gospel. It made sense. I knew I loved God, and so I just made that decision. And then God just began to slowly change me and transform me, and he's continuing to do so. But I had a, a worship pastor in that church who just sought me out and mentored me and brought me onto the worship team, and I probably, and I didn't know a whole lot of stuff, and not every area of my life was certainly perfect, but he took a chance on me and brought me in and began to just really instill and and, and come into agreement with that heart of worship that I believe God had given me. And so that had just begun a long preparation for the day where I would be able to work here, and I do, I work here full-time, and I'm one of many things that I do, uh, I'm the music director here, so all of the worship and things like that um, I'm responsible for. And so worship is something that I think about all the time. And yet, as I said before, it's something that I'm frankly a little intimidated to talk about because there's so many things to teach and there's such little time. I mean, we only have just minutes left in our service. And what do you cover? And, and, and so I, I asked God to, uh, if it was really, you know, it was stirring in me. And I said, do you really, and I tell you all this. To, to give you maybe a, a short example of hearing from God, because I know many of you I talk to say, I want to hear from God, and I don't know exactly what God's voice sounds like, and I, I need it. This is just one little way that God can speak to you. I'd said, okay, God, what do you want me to speak on? I'm not just going to think of something cool or think of the last book I read. I wanna... And so I began to feel worship stirring in my heart, but I kind of ran from it because, again, I was a little intimidated to preach on it. And, and I said, you know, well, I, I just felt like, you know, get out the, a piece of paper, and just if you had to, without praying, preach to somebody on worship right now. What's in your, what would you tell them? What was in your heart? Kind of the old whiteboard brainstorming session. And I began to kind of think, and, and I put down basically three functions of worship, like, like three things. If you had to be broad enough to cover everything, I thought of three things that you're doing when you worship and that you're accomplishing when you worship. So then I kind of put my pen down and I thought, well, you know, I didn't really feel it warm and fuzzy about those three things. I just thought they made sense. And so I said, God, I, I really do want, want to know that what I'm sharing and what I'm going to spend the next couple of days preparing for is really you. And, and so I, I just felt like, well, read, let's, I'm going to read my daily re- Bible reading thing. I've been doing the you version, read a Bible in a year thing, and I'm actually still reading last year. So, so those of you who started in January, I'm already in Psalm 89, but uh, so I'm way ahead of you, but, but I won't boast. And, uh, and so... I go to my reading plan, and it starts with a couple of chapters in Joshua, and then it switches over to a couple of chapters in Luke. And then all of a sudden, I'm in Psalm 89, starting in verse 15. And as I begin to read these next three verses, each verse is my point. They're my three points right in a row. I I was dumbfounded. I mean, I just sat there. I I couldn't believe it. And I thought, well, I guess this means I have to follow through and figure out what this means. So I did. But it was a way that God really spoke to me. God will confirm the things he's saying to you through his word. He'll give you direction. He'll plan. I can't tell you I heard a booming voice in a single moment of any of it. But what I did was I just began to be sensitive. I began to listen inside to what I was feeling, what I was thinking, and then just asking God, hey, if this is you, then confirm it. And then he confirmed it with his word. So tonight we're going to talk about three attributes of worship. And, and I want to help you tonight. I, I take for granted sometimes that we're all worshipers, that, we're all, that we've all been trained and schooled in worship. And yet I know that there's some of you who come and you're new and you think, well, I get the whole Jesus song thing, but do we really have to spend half an hour doing it? I mean, I, I, know, I know for a fact there's some of you that don't like music. And you, and, you, and you think, well, why do we give such a large part of our service to, to what we call worship? And wait a minute, I thought worship was a lifestyle, not a song. So I want to address some of those questions tonight. But what I really want to do is I really want to inspire and encourage in your heart three attributes that would help you understand what we're doing when we worship and that you would realize that it doesn't stop when we say go and be blessed, but it starts. 
and that it's something that you do 24-7. It's something that will enable God to be huge in your life. And so let's really quick, before we get into what those three are, let's talk about what, what worship is and what it isn't. Worship is not simply Jesus' music. Worship isn't a song. Worship isn't a genre. Worship isn't a radio station. But it's an intentional focus on God's holiness. And as we focus on God's holiness, it changes us. And it allows him to be big. We say that word manifest, and that's such a big, impressive word. But what that means is, I love that word, God be manifest. That means show up, be real, be tangible in my life. Don't be trapped in the pages of a historical document. Be alive in my heart. Be alive in my situations. So when we worship him, this is, what, this is really, in essence, worship. A complete focus on who God is and allowing him to be manifest or to be made tangible in your life, in power, in generosity, in loving kindness, and all those things. And so it's very important. I'm going to tell you right now, you were created to worship. You might not like music. You might not like the style of music that we do in our church. That's okay. But you were created to worship. It is in your DNA because you're a child of God. If you, are, if you have breath, you were instructed to praise the Lord in the scripture. And that's not about singing a song. That's not about having a great voice. That's about the ability. The, uh, it's an issue of self-control. It's an issue of deciding I am going to use the things that I have in my life to get to a place where I am completely focused on who God is. And that's the goal when we come together in corporate worship. The goal for us is to lead you and to inspire you into a place where you are completely unaware of anything but the presence of God. Because in that place, he can begin to help you. In that place, he can give you wisdom. He can heal broken hearts. He can give wisdom. He can do those kinds of things. So worship isn't just music. It's not just the first 20 or 30 minutes of a service. Worship is our call as, as people of God to find ways in our daily lives to put a complete focus on him so that he can be God in our life. He has, we've been talking about potential over the past few weeks. He is the ultimate in potential. But there's certain principles that he's put in the earth that you have to tap into in order to see that potential become active. So Psalm 89 is where we're going to kind of park tonight. And so if you want to get in your Bibles, you can go there. We're going to read through parts of it. Psalm 89, we know many of the Psalms were actually lyrics to worship songs. They were actually accompanied. You'll see instructions in the Psalms about accompanied by a lyre or a flute and things like that. And we're going to talk about three functions of worship. I believe to the best of my ability, these three things pretty much cover and canvas all aspects of worship. These are the three dominant things that are happening when we worship God. And again, I'm going to give you practical things about what it means to worship God so that you'll leave this place just chomping at the bit for Sunday when you can come back in here and you can worship with us corporately because you'll have a new understanding of it. But why music? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, why, if we say worship isn't a song and it's not a genre, why music? And I think we would all agree that music is this supernatural gift that God has put in the earth. There's nothing like it. I mean, we can all come together and sing a song, and we can all be on the same page. You know what I mean? It's, it's, we can't maybe agree on politics. We can't maybe agree on anything. But what we can agree on is God's goodness. We can agree. And when we get together singing a song, there's power and unity. And so music is a great unifier. 
Music has a tremendous ability to minister to the heart. Do you remember when King Saul was distressed and he asked for a harpist to come? God has placed music as a salve in our life. He's given it to us as a way to bring up emotions, as a way to kind of help us focus. It's a great way to connect the truth of God's word with the sentiments of our heart. And that's why, we, and that's why when you think of worship, you might think of a song because music is such a dominant tool for worship, but it doesn't stop there. Worship is, is anything that you do to focus on God and to give him a place to be tangible in your life. So worship's how you run your business. Worship's how you parent your kids. Worship's how, how, what kind of spouse that you are. That's an act of worship because if you focus and give God a place to be great, he'll be great in your life. So let's talk about three attributes of worship. The first one is adoration. And that's not a word that we maybe talk about a lot or hear a lot. But this word adoration, we worship God because we adore him. We worship him out of adoration. We come in, the Bible says to come into his gates with thanksgiving, to come into his courts with praise. That's the, when we show up on a Sunday morning, we come fired up about who God is. We come ready to magnify him. We come ready because when we magnify God, not only do we minister to him, but we minister to each other. How many of you come in and you've had a bad day, but you come into church and you see people praising God and clapping and singing scripture and you begin to realize, you know what? God's good. <laughs> he is good. He's, he's going to fix this. I may come in with some heaviness, but I'm going to leave here lighthearted because God is good. And we testify. We, and that's why it's so important not to forsake the assembling of the brethren, like the Bible says, because we need each other. We're the body of Christ. We weren't designed to do this alone, but I don't want to digress. Adoration. Let's start in Psalm 89. And I'm just going to paraphrase. I'm not going to go through all of the first uh, 14 scriptures, but I just want to hit some highlights. This is adoration of God. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. Some of you are new and you say, why? do you sing? This is why we sing. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all the generations. I'll declare that your love stands firm forever and that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. That's the reason why we come and we praise God. In verses five and six, the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord. The Bible says that as we worship, we are worshiping in sync with all of heaven. Do you know that worship is continual? In heaven, when you go to worship, you're going to be continually worshiping in heaven. It's going to be a complete, why? Because you're going to be singing the same song over and over and over. Some of you would be very bummed out if that were the truth. No, because you are living in a continual state of focus and awareness of God's presence all the time. Nothing else is more important. No sickness, nothing is more important than the, than the presence of God. So the heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can compare with the Lord? Who's like the Lord? In verse 8 through 10, who is like you, Lord? And that question all the time, who is like you? I'm telling you, there is nobody like God. There's nobody like him. He is in a class all by himself. There is none higher than him. There is nobody who can help you like he can help you. There is no one who can heal you like he can heal you. That's why we praise God. That's why we adore God. In 13, verse 13, it says, your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong. Some of you need breakthrough tonight. Listen to this. The God that we worship, his arm is endowed with power. His hand is strong. His right hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. And so then here comes 15, and this is what I read when I got to that Bible reading plan date. This was the thing that confirmed where I was headed. It says, blessed are those who have learned, remember that, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long 
and they celebrate your righteousness. And so what just, I mean, I just, my heart leapt because this is exactly where I was heading. See, I, I, I began to realize that not everybody who comes here has learned how to worship. Just because we create the opportunity doesn't mean that, that we all know how to worship. And when I say you were born to worship, you might have been born to be a leader, but you're not a leader until you learn to be a leader. You may born to be a doctor, but you're not a doctor until you learn to be a doctor. And I'm telling you tonight that you are born to be a worshiper, but you still need to learn how to worship. And so I pray tonight that we will learn about what it means to be a worshiper in this place. Worship's not a style. It's, worship is an attitude. Okay, it's a posture that we walk in with. It's a posture that we come Sunday morning through the doors with ready, engaged, anticipating a place where God is going to be big. Adoration's rooted in awe. It's rooted in the fear of God, that holy fear, that reverence of God. And it's just dripping with thankfulness. You know what I mean? When I was when I first moved here, I moved here to go to Purdue. I believe I moved here to come to this church, but I moved here to come to Purdue. And I got a job um, at Elliott Hall of Music as part of, part of my studies, and I got a job there. And I remember the very first day that I walked in the backstage, and I was waiting on someone for an interview or something, and I just stood there, and the place was totally empty, and I just stood there on the edge of the stage looking out at 6,000 seats. And it was, it was awe. I mean, it was like, wow. I mean, I get in my head that there's 6,000 seats. But as you're looking, it's like I can't physically absorb all that. There, there are so many seats. There's so much volume in this room. There's so much history in this room. I just remember that tangible feeling of just awe. And, and that's kind of how it is when we worship God. We know a lot about him, but there is no snapshot that can contain everything about him. He is infinite, and we are finite. And so we don't worship God to give us satisfaction that we have figured him out. But we worship God because it's the only response that a person can have to how amazing he is. It's just a natural impulse. If I say knock, knock, you say, it's just built in, right? We've learned that. Well, worship is the who's there. Worship is the, is the response to who God is. It's, and so, and on the inside of us, we want to do it. That's why some people don't love God, but they're huge football fans. That's why some people don't love God, but they follow a band across the whole country because we were born to worship. And if we don't worship God, we're going to worship something. And anything that we worship besides worshiping God eventually really is just about a pleasure and a self. And so what you worship, you become like, and you begin to just live a life that is small because we are finite, but God is infinite. So in Psalm 100, we have an instruction to make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands, to serve the Lord with gladness, to come before his presence with singing, except those who don't feel like they have a good singing voice. You know, I mean, it's a, look at this as an instruction. Know that the Lord, he is God. It's he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his path. I mean, if we are his people, then this is our response. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So let me help you out. If you're new, if you, ha if you don't understand worship, if you think it's a little kooky like I did at one point in my life, I can remember times of being engulfed in a sea of worshipers feeling just completely claustrophobic. Like, yikes, I don't even know if I could get out of here if I wanted to. I remember that feeling, and so I understand if you feel that way. But here are some expressions that the Bible teaches us on how to worship. And so maybe you feel the prompting to do these things. It's okay, do them. Or maybe you see other people and you don't know what they're doing. Here are just some expressions really quick. Singing, of course. Shouting. Lifting of hands. Lifting of hands is a human, that's just something that's put on the inside of us. What does a baby do when it wants to get picked up? My little guy is just starting to do this. 
pick me up, right? How many of you want to pick me up, God? Take care of me, right? Abba, Father. You know, that's just, a, it's also a sign of surrender, right? I surrender, right? And so that's why we lift hands in worship. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of focus. It's a sign of just, you know what? Take this mess I've created and just, you know, unleash your love and your forgiveness on me. Speaking forth, shouting out. You know, speaking forth the word. You, you wake up and the enemy's tormenting you. You stand up on the floor and you get your Bible out and you begin to confess the word. And you say it out loud. Speaking forth is an act of worship. And as we've said many times already, when you worship God, you magnify him, right? And you give him a platform to be big in your life. God's huge, but he needs a platform. Bible says he's enthroned in the praises of his people. So if you want the king to sit on the throne and make judgment over your life, then make him a throne. Give him a place in your praise to be big in your life. Speaking forth, bowing, kneeling, standing, dancing, lying prostrate, right? May not see that every single day, but it certainly says in heaven, that's what the elders fall to their knees. They wow on their, I mean, that is the ultimate sign of humility is to literally get on your face before someone. Now, other cultures and royalty completely understand this. We, we have a hard time. You know why? Because it's undignified and worship is undignified sometimes, Remember David? He was undignified before the Lord. So worship can be undignified, but it's really about making him the focus and not us. And I know people, and, I, and I'll just talk about myself. There's certain things on this list that I probably wouldn't feel comfortable doing in a worship service. You know why? Now, one maybe just be because maybe God's not leading me to do it. Okay, that's fine. But the real reason is because I haven't gotten over myself in those areas. You know what I mean? And so I'll just let you sit with that one for a little while. But I'm, there, I'm right there with you. Authentic worship promotes holiness. And this is the second thing that I want to talk about in worship. Holiness, all right? Now, holiness has got a bad rap. I mean, sometimes holiness, whether it be a type of church or maybe it's a methodology of religion where, you know, can't listen to rock music, can't do this, can't because of holiness. No, 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 we're not talking about that. Holiness, by definition, is being set apart. And we've already said that our our reference for what holiness is, is God, because God is set apart. We said it before, who is like you, O Lord? There is no one above God. He is in a class all by himself. So holiness is the act of simply being set apart, but it's not just that. In Psalm 89's context, remember when I talked about verse 15 was that first place I landed? It said that blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. So something about being a worshiper insinuates that you're walking in the light of his presence. Well, that's his holiness. Walking in the light of his presence. Operating in the light that his character shines. The Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So his presence illuminates the way that we're to go in our lives. And, and it says here, um, here's a couple of like textbook definitions of holiness. To be holy is to be distinct, separate, or in a class by oneself. To be holy is also to be morally pure. Now, I'm sure right, right away you're going, yep, not me, right? Who would say that? Not me, not morally pure, not me. Nope, me neither. God is that. We are becoming that. That's what worship does. We, you see the, the word perfect in the Bible. We're being perfected. Any of you feel perfect here tonight? I don't either, but we're being perfected. And the Bible's definition of being perfected means to be made more mature. It doesn't mean that you never do anything wrong. That's, you'll know you're in heaven when that's happening. But, but it means to be perfected. And so as God is perfect, we, as we worship him, 
are becoming more perfected because when we worship him, we're allowing him to shine his light on our path and we're walking in that path. And we begin to begin to be more like him. And the more that we're like him as an act of worship, the more he's allowed to be magnified in our lives and he's allowed to be involved in our situations. Okay, so what is worship? Here's a couple of functions of focusing on his holiness. In Isaiah, and you don't have to turn there, but just Isaiah 26, 3 says, and I'm sure you'd love this one too, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So that to me signifies worship. When you get to a place where your mind is stayed on who God is, that's an act of worship. And you know what the fruit is? Peace. Why is that? Because your problems suddenly got better? No, because you've allowed him, you've given him a place. When your mind is stayed on him, you have now given him a platform to shower you with the peace that passes all understanding. And even though your situation didn't change, you begin to have that peace because now what you worship is what you become like. So you begin to, the faith begins to rise up on the inside of you that, my God, is going to take care of this need. I don't have to worry about this anymore. He's bigger than the mountain that I'm facing. And worship is that channel that allows you to tap into that. Otherwise, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. What if I do this? And if I do this, and I got to... And we begin to be stressed out and bummed out. And so the other one is Psalm 29, 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. So when we worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness, that's not saying it's got to be this music or this band. That's saying that we are going to get to a place where we're focused on the fact that there's nobody like God, nobody who's worthy of our attention, nobody who's more, uh, who more loves to hear us sing to him, to shout out, and all those things that we talked about. Now, I want to help you. This is, this is straight out of our VBI class on worship. So if something has gotten exciting on the inside of you tonight about worship, probably the next step for you is to take the VBI worship class on DVD. It's like six or seven DVDs or like 15 minutes a piece. Take your time. There's notes but they will instruct you specifically about biblical worship, authentic worship. We're just giving you a taste tonight. But here's out of a chapter, Responsibilities of a Worshipper. And when, the Bible, when it says that blessed are those who learn to acclaim the Lord, well, this is part of our learning right now. I'm going to help you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn you, okay? We're, let's look at this. I just want to give you a couple of these, and, and I'm just telling you right now, I'm working through these too, all right? So as the music director, I certainly don't have the market cornered on any of these. So I'm working through them too. But let me just give you a couple. Prepare ourselves for worship. That's a responsibility that you have. Because we said you're all worshipers, right? I didn't say you're all singers. I said you're all worshipers, right? So here's a responsibility that's on you, okay? Uh, Prepare yourselves for worship. You know, I don't know what that's like for you. For me, it's not staying up crazy late on Saturday night. You know, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. You know, it's, it's, it's really beginning to anticipate that place of coming to God. And, well, if you're going to come to a place where he is your total focus, then you need, to be able, you need to already start getting rid of the things in your mind and not waiting and hoping that the worship leader is inspiring enough to do that for you. But you prepare yourself for worship. We invest ourselves in prayer, right? We pray, God, open up my heart. God, help me to forgive anybody I have ought against. God, help me today. Help me get over myself. When I get in the building, help me not be distracted. God, help me jump right in whether I like the song or not, whether the band's cooking or not, whether the sound's great or not. Help me, God. Let me overcome those things, all right? So we begin to pray. We minister to the Lord. That's your responsibility. That's not the band's. That's not the team. It's not Lori. It's your responsibility to come and minister to the Lord. That's what worship is. It's ministering to him. You say, well, I don't really like to sing. Well, it's not really about you. It, 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 worship. <laughs> that was revelation for somebody. 
I mean, come on now. Admittedly, we are a consumer culture, right? So we all agree where we're coming from is a pretty tough place, right? So, but we got to break through that. It's not about us. We have to, we have to come, okay? Um, another one, to frequent the place of worship. We tell the worship team all the time, you know, as we're challenging them, Sunday and Wednesday better not be your finest worship. It may be really fun and powerful, and there is something extra special when we get together in unity, no doubt. But our finest worship has to come face-to-face with Jesus in our own time. Absolutely. And if this is your finest worship, you're going to be let down because this Sunday might be a dud, you know? And then you've got to go all the way to Wednesday. And so we, we have the responsibility of frequenting the place of worship. That means make it familiar. When you come in here Sunday morning, I know the worshipers because I know the people who've been worshiping all week because they come in these doors and before we even start, they, they're ready to go, man. But the people who aren't frequent kind of come in there and they test the water. And they kind of, uh, I don't like that song. I'll sit this one out. I'll come second song and see, what, see if it gets better. And I'm not giving you condemnation because we go through all these, you know. We do. But, but until you know about them, you can't correct them, right? And uh, be mo- self-motivated. I think our worship leader would say amen to that. Be self-motivated. W- we know if we were going to go to the same place, we need a leader, right? Because we're human beings and we, someone's got to lead, right? But we have to be self-motivated to worship. We have to come in with a prepared heart ready to go for it. And that's all I'll say about that. Uh, we have to invest energy. Worship costs something. If it feels like it takes something to worship, that's because it does. Worship is not easy. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Worship, getting over yourself isn't always easy, but it's doable. And, and just like the woman who, who broke the alabaster jar at Jesus' feet, that, that jar was worth a year's wages, it said. And you can't just take the little Tupperware seal off and pour a little bit and put it back. You've got to break that thing. It's an all-or-nothing deal. And that's, how, that's the model of how we're supposed to worship. We're supposed to come and be broken before him. And just pour out everything of value, our time, our energy, our dignity. Those are the things of value that we give him as worshipers. Enter wholeheartedly into praise and worship. Again, don't just feel the waters that just jump in. And if you come with a prepared heart and if you come with a track history of worshiping on your own, it's not going to be a hard thing to do. Worship, this is huge. Worship despite distractions. How many of you have ever been distracted in worship before? The enemy loves to distract. And so if you're somebody that says, well, I like to worship, but I don't like to be distracted, I'm I'm guaranteeing you, you'll be distracted. There will be someone that smells next to you. There'll be, there'll be a crying baby. You won't get your seat. Uh, Band might mess up. We might play something weird. You know, you you never know. There might be feedback. I'm just telling you, Allie and I, we have a long history of going places and being, because it's not often we get just to get to sit and worship, right? But we've gone to conferences, and I mean, it it just never fails. Something crazy happens to bring distraction. That's just how the enemy does it. You have to go with a prepared heart already ready that that's not going to make a difference. You, You expect it. You know, you, you just expect it, and you, and you press through it. And there's so many more, but most importantly, worship continually all the time. All the time. That, that scripture says it, to, be, to worship continually. And so, and so that's worshiping God in his holiness means worshiping him because he's holy and set apart, but then allowing his holiness to transform us and to make us holy. We're holy by definition because we belong to him, but we still got to work that out in our lives. We still have to be like him, and that's a lifelong pursuit. And the third one, the third attribute of worship is power. We adore him. That's a powerful act. We, we, we become like him when we worship because what you worship, you become like. Remember that. I mean, it's just like it's worth repeating again. What you focus on is what you worship, and it's what you'll become. So the third one is power. And when you worship, 
again, we're not singing Jesus songs. We are, we are worship. This is what it is. Give me the next slide, Sandy. Worship is like being a crowd cheering on a fight because that's what's happening. The Bible says the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Did you know that when you open up your mouth and declare the word of God, that the angels of the kingdom of God are warring on your behalf? Did you know that the enemy is defeated? Did you know that all of heaven violently opposes the kingdom of darkness? Why? Because you get out there and say, I've been good all week and I haven't done this and I haven't said any swear words and I didn't slap my dog and <laughs> devil doesn't care about any of that stuff. That's all great. But he doesn't care about that. But when you open up your mouth and you worship God, when, when, the bill, when the last bill collector calls and you hang up the phone and you get on your knees and you say, oh, God, God, help me. I worship you in the beauty of your holiness. God, I have no idea what to do about this need, but I know that you've been so good to me in all my life. And I know that you'll never leave me and never forsake me. And you just begin to say, hallelujah, Lord, you're worthy. And how many of you know, it might, you feel better, but you know what's happening in heaven? Warfare. When we worship God, he comes to our rescue. Listen to this scripture in Isaiah 31. As a lion roars, as a young lion over his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is summoned against him, he will not be afraid of their voice nor be disturbed by their noise. So the Lord of hosts will come to fight for Mount Zion and for its hill. Like birds flying about, so the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will also deliver it. Passing over, he will preserve it. That's what the Lord of hosts does when you worship. And if we would just take all that energy that we worry and all of the manipulations and the calculations and if I just can do this, if we would take all of that away and just put a half of that energy into worshiping God, we would see breakthrough on a daily basis. And I'm saying that to myself too because I don't have a spotless track record of frequenting the place of worship on my own. In fact, it's harder sometimes because I can almost believe that this is enough doing this twice a week. You know how many services I've played at since 1997? I mean, I did the math. How many have you gone to? I don't know, but I, I only miss about three a year. So I, t I tallied it up one day, and I can't do that math here, but it's unbelievable. But that's not enough. You know? That, I mean, that, that helps, but that's not enough. And so I have to be making sure that my finest worship is with him alone. And so power isn't, you know, power in worship isn't just basking in his presence. It's not, it's not just being changed in his glory, but it's like, it's like being a spectator to fight. And we get so amped up. I mean, what's going to happen Sunday? Gah, right? So, I mean, just total focus on a game. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you what, imagine if we had that kind of determination and focus and energy on the warfare that's going on in heaven as we believe that our God fights for us, that our God is preserving us and taking care of us. Imagine what would happen if we gave just an ounce of the intensity that's going to be heard in Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. You remember Jehoshaphat? I don't have time to get into the story, but I love it. I bring it up almost every time I preach in Second Chronicles 20. He didn't, I mean, he had, ar has anyone had armies coming against them today? He had, the man had not an army, but he had armies coming after him. He said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And he, and he sent the worshipers out and they began to worship. And what happened? They didn't even have to do anything. God, the, the enemy became confused. The enemy started beating up each other. They came out over a hill and all of a sudden, carnage before them. Why? The enemy got confused. Do you know what happens when you worship? Enemy gets confused. See, the enemy's strength, that's right, the enemy's strength in what he's doing is not physically destroying things, but convincing you he can. And as you believe him and take the bait, then 
you begin to lose hold of your faith, and then that opens up the door for him to steal, kill, and destroy. So when you worship, you shut your ear to the lies of the enemy that says you're not going to make it. You're the one situation that God's not going to come through for. That's why when you worship, you, 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 begin, you stay connected to the God who fights for you. In 16 and 18, these were the last two verses of our Psalm 89. It said that they rejoice in your, di- in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their glory and strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Horn was a symbol for strength. So God's favor brings strength into our life. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord. It speaks of glory, speaks of strength, speaks of his favor, speaks of his ability to exalt speaks of his protection. And when we worship God and we come in this place and we jump into his presence with thanksgiving, we are affirming those things about him. Many times our lyrics sing them in the songs, but most importantly in our hearts, we are saying I'm here today because you are the God who give, who, who glorifies yourself in me. You're the God who gives strength to me by your right hand. You're the God whose favor goes before me and opens up the right doors and shuts the wrong doors. You're the God who exalts me in due season. You're the God who protects me and my children and my finances and my security. You're the God who does it. When we worship God, we give him a place to be that, to be that for us in our lives. When we go to figuring things out, when we go to biting our nails and worrying, we close that off. We take away the platform. We say, you know what, God, I got this covered. I'm just going to worry about this and we're going to see how things go. But we need to make God a place. We need to make him room. We need to, you know, since the very beginning of time, there wasn't room in the inn for him. We, somebody has got to make room for the God of wonder. Someone's got to make room for the God of miracles. Will you be that person? Will you be that person Sunday morning to make room for him to be great in your heart? Will you be the person to answer the call, answer the response of his greatness by saying, I'm going to worship you in the beauty of your holiness, no matter how stinky my life is and allow him to change it. Now I'm going to, I want to read Psalm 189 and I want to pray in a minute, but I I just want to some, I don't know if all of you know Jesus. I mean, maybe you're like me, an old Methodist kid who didn't really know Jesus, but had gone to church knew lots of hymns, but I didn't really know Jesus. I certainly didn't know if I was going into heaven or not. I assumed I was because I was a good person. But if Mother Teresa says she wasn't a good person, then I'm probably not really a good person. But I just want to give you that opportunity. Can we just shut our eyes for a second? And uh, we're, we're almost done. We're not completely done. But I just want to, I don't want to save a spot right here. And maybe the things we've been talking about have been kind of tugging on your heart. And if you're here with us for the first time or, or if you've been here but you've not really, maybe you're just, you know of God but you don't know him. You know, lots of you know me, but you don't really know me. And, uh, but, you, but to benefit from knowing God is to know him and to allow him to come into your life. So just right now, if there's anybody that would want to say, I, I want to make sure for certain that I'm connected to God. I want to make sure for certain that my ability to live eternally in his presence is not conditional upon whether I did a good job this week that's not conditional on whether I come from the right side of the tracks. But if you want to know the Jesus who saves, heals, and delivers, well, then this is a moment that you don't want to miss on. Because the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he will save us. Save us from what? Save us. We are going to live eternally. The question is where? Save us from living in hell and save us from living hell on this earth. 
because the plans that he has are good. They're to prosper us, to give us future and a hope. So if that's you tonight and you say, I want to know this Jesus, then we're not going to embarrass you, but we just gonna, we want to pray with you. And so if you would just raise your hand uh, really quick so I know who you are, and then we'll just all pray together and we'll allow him. Does everybody here know Jesus? And I hope we do. And if we do, praise God for that. But I wouldn't want to miss out because what we're going to minister to now is going to make a whole lot more sense if you know him. Why don't you stand up on your feet? And let's just read his scripture. And I'm going to read it over yet, but we're just going to use it as a worship. I'm going to prove to you that you can worship without a song. Okay? So why don't we just shut our eyes and let's just meditate on his presence right now. Let's remember that he's here. And let's focus on who he is. Thank you, God. Psalm 89 says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all the generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself, that you said, I have made covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and I'll make your throne through all the generations. That's who God is. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord. I'm going to say it again. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord. Your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all those who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the raging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You crush Rahab like one of the slain. Rahab means evil in this context. You crush evil like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their glory. You are their strength. By your favor, you will exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Somebody give him praise in this place tonight. God, we worship you. We praise you, Father. We praise your most excellent name. We worship you in the beauty of your holiness tonight. We say there is none like you, God. There is none beside you. The heavens attest that you're glorified. You're magnified. You're awesome. Come on, just stir up the gift in this place tonight. This is where healing comes from. It doesn't come from standing in a line. It comes from a and affirming that God's the healer, God's the restorer, God's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Lord, we give you a concert of praise in this place tonight. We magnify you. We worship your holy name. We say, great are your works and that my soul knows very well. We magnify your name. We minister praise to you, God. We thank you that tonight you're the healer. You need to be healed. Raise your hand right now. Lord, you're the healer in this house. By the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. No weapon formed against us will prosper. You came to forgive give every iniquity. You came to heal our, our diseases. So if you need healing tonight, right now, reach out to heavens. Receive the healing that comes from God when we worship him, when we magnify him, when we make him a platform to be in our life. If you're brokenhearted tonight, raise your hand because your deliverance is coming. Say, Father, right now I receive your healing in my heart. 
I thank you for your restoration over our relationships. I thank you for healing our hearts. I thank you for giving us the supernatural ability to trust again, to see people as your creation and not as people who want to harm us. Tonight, if your finances are miserable, Lord, we say that you are our portion. We say tonight, Lord, you're our inheritance. We say that you, Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. We receive it tonight. Our hearts are open tonight. We see it coming in. We see money coming in. We see the ability to pay our bills in. We say, most importantly, the ability to give lavishly into the lives of other people. For those of you who are givers, raise your hand. Lord, we receive. We receive the distribution of riches from heaven tonight. We receive it. We claim that every need that we have is met. We declare that we have favor over our lives. We declare that we lack no good thing tonight in the name of Jesus. For those of you with with miserable marriages, we say right now that the unity of the Holy Spirit and the bond of peace is released into our homes. We pray for unbelieving spouses. We declare that, that, that our households will be saved. We claim it over our kids. We declare that you're not done. It's not over. You're still working. Your arm is not too short. You're mighty to save, mighty to heal, mighty to deliver. We believe it tonight, Lord. And we claim right here, we testify together, we are your worshipers. Receive your worship from our lives, God. Receive it in our situations. Receive it in the marketplace. Receive it in the schools. Receive it on our job. You are the object of our worship from this point on forever. Amen. Amen. I just pray blessing over you tonight. I declare that you are abounding in every good thing. And I just thank you that the favor of the Lord goes before you, that he opens doors that no man can open, and he shuts doors that no man can close. And he will do things for you, not just to make your life happy and better, but to be glorified in your life. His interest is being glorified. He is looking for billboards to represent who he is. And he doesn't want to be represented in poverty. He doesn't want to be represented in bad attitudes. He wants to be, uh, he wants to be represented in overcoming faith. And so that's who we're going to be this week in the name of Jesus. Do you receive that? Amen. Well, go and be blessed. Make sure to come back Sunday. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.